0: This podcast is brought to you by Brooklyn Community Bail Fund, a nonprofit organization that works to dismantle incarceration, detention, surveillance, and criminalization in all its form. Learn more about us and how to support our work at BrooklynBailfund.org or by following us on Twitter at BKBailfund. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Uh, this is Soli Israel, Director of Special Initiative with Brooklyn Community Bail Fund. Today, I won't be joined by Carl, it's just me, and I'll be joined by Sonora Bellarenwa, founder and director of the Morimi Initiative, to share her work around another one of those very important criminal justice initiative issues that uh, we just need to know about and support. And she's going to share the impact of her work and why that work is important. Uh, Sonora, hello, and thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you. This is an honor and a privilege and I'd just like to say the Morimi Initiative is one that aims to decarcerate. And we do that in various um, avenues. Uh, one avenue is premised on seeing the impact of unreliable evidence called junk science, which is relied upon to procure judgments, of conviction and relied upon to impose harsh and excessive sentences, uh, we at Moremi Initiative, we are compelled to dedicate our life to the necessary change. We are the change because we intend to expose prosecution-paid experts whose work product The jury relied on for convictions and the judge relied upon for sentences. And this will be a nonprofit organization where we will gather narratives of people impacted by junk science. And one day soon, there will be the book that will actually show how lives have been impacted in such a traumatic way. And the junk science is such that it is just as heinous as the crimes people are convicted of. In addition to that, we assist those children and adult children of criminal impacted, criminal justice impacted uh, parents, In doing this, our first project right now is we're helping brothers, African-American men, whose license has been suspended or revoked for child support arrearage. Often people do not understand that sometimes if a parent has been incarcerated, there's a high propensity for that child to be incarcerated. And there was one gentleman who was incarcerated for merely eight months. And that child support became in arrears for eight months, but the system kept accruing that child support beyond those eight months. And what the Moremi Initiative did, that we get their child support arrearage up to date and we pay that off that way they're current and they won't have to pay the arrearage and the current because those individuals cannot have a license not to have a license you cannot get to work on your own not to have a license it is difficult to cash a check not to have a license you have no state id now you can get a non driver's ID. However, there's so many CDL jobs that are high paying. And we see that African-American men are not the only parents that have child support or rearage. However, the statistics show that African-American men are exponentially targeted as those whose license is suspended. And New York State has recently passed a bill where one can uh, put installments on arrearage for income, state income tax arrearage, but not for child support arrearage. So, with a community most impacted by license suspensions and license. Uh, revocations, we would be remiss not to be the hands and feet that make
0: the change. The Brooklyn Community Bell Fund, you know, we were, we were staunch in our efforts to end cash bail. One of the things we always talked about was someone gets, you know, just because they can't afford to get out, as opposed to somebody that can't afford to get out, they're put into detention and usually what happens is they lose their jobs they lose sometimes lose their housing. Women lose their children. Uh yeah. and you know, I think this question of what happens when you lose that income and what are what the residual impacts of losing that income. The question of child support or rare age has I don't think we've ever we've ever really sat down and analyzed all the domino effects that happen when someone is incarcerated and all the, the long term effects that it has on that person regaining their place back in society once they're released. Uh exactly. you know, when someone is incarcerated and they might have been taking care of all of their business while they, while they were home, and people get incarcerated for lots of different reasons. I think that, you know, sometimes we make this assumption, if someone is incarcerated, in particular in, in state or, or, or detention, they must have had done something wrong. They deserve to be incarcerated. And, right. and and we know that's not the case. That's one. Two is the idea that because I'm incarcerated, obviously I don't have a job while I'm incarcerated. Obviously I'm not generating funds, and it's not easy for incarcerated men or women to go back and re and, and reevaluate with the courts how much they've been paying and why they've been paying it. And, the you know, if you're incarcerated for one year, you know, if, if you went in in, in September, if you, if you go in in February and you get out in September, they're still using your last year's tax return. And that tax return doesn't reflect the income you've made over the last year because you were incarcerated. And you would think it's something as simple as just proving you were incarcerated, and it's not. And it's not it's not a deadbeat parent type thing. This is, you know, I was gone, and, and a lot of these men and women when they come home, they want to get this straightened out. The question of mm-hmm. being incarcerated and, and continuing to accrue those payments when, when, you know, you know that person's incarcerated, I think it, it is an injustice. And I, I, what I'm wondering is just in general, how did you get into this work, right? Like w- w- what inspired you? And I, and I know the Morimi Initiative has a lot I of did. things that, that it deals with. You know, what was your, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you come, you know, to be so passionate about these issues.
1: That aha moment was when you hear loved ones, you know, share their woes. And when you hear your other brothers share that same situation and then I said, wait a minute, this is more prevalent. This is not unique. And I really don't hear other ethnicities with this situation. And, you know, a con- the actual aha moment was we've been buying our freedom for centuries. And why not keep doing it? The 13th Amendment is still on the books, although as unconstitutional as it is, (laughs) but it is there. And until it's there, we have to be the solution for us. And we have to inform those that you do have avenues, you can see, what is the exact amount? What is the exact date? And the number one thing that triggers this, you know, snowball effect is women that get services from uh, welfare. They are asked, "Who's the father?" And a lot of times, these fathers are in the homes and they're taking care and they're splitting the bills. And one of the guys, uh, he was the only one working and she, his significant other was in school. When she went to social services, instead of her telling social services, it was two adults and the children, she just did head a household. So that put these men behind the eight ball. And that being the case, they are doing the day-to-day, going to work, splitting the bills or doing all the bills, and child support goes to the system. And and, and we need to ask ourselves, do we really wanna take the brothers to the system? The system is against the family being, you know, solidified. It actually functions to do family separation. So when we go for food stamps or when we go for this, that, and the other, let us think and know that we can actually have both on and and have integrity. Because the residual effect is he's going to be taken for child support when he's already supporting the children. Sometimes and if if he's not, it is there, but if he is, these are the repercussions.
0: Yeah. I, I, I once watched a documentary and it it was, you know, it was about black women and, you know, the the struggles of black women and, you know, in the fifties, sixties and seventies, this question of section eight and, you know, on the one hand, there's ridicule because there's not a man in the house. On the other hand, you know they used to do house checks where it was like to ensure there's not a man in the house. I think this, you know, in in, in question of you know just public education awareness, you can have a family that has low income that can still qualify for public assistance. And yes. I, 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 but I think I think a lot of times, and you know, in our communities, we're under this impression that it can't be that way. And and, and this is not, and this is not, and this is not anyone this is not anyone one person's fault because it used to wasn't like that you know and, and you know in, like I said in the 50s and 60s it was oh if you have a man we can't help you and uh-huh. part, part part of the part of us helping you is you can't have a man right right, right? And, and, and then it was so we have a legacy of this fear of I can't get help if I have a man present even when me and my man are struggling together which which, which is which is you know Unfortunately, a lot of people in this country that below the poverty line, uh, or right at the poverty line. I'm talking about not single women, families, let alone single women, families, right? And the question of the prerequisite of getting assistance and what that is, and you know, and educating the public about what that is, that is a matter of household income and not. And like I said, be, because you're, you know, whether it's the man or the woman, the significant other, the partner is making, you know, twenty thousand dollars a year. That's still f- for a three, four person household. That's still far below the poverty line, and you still qualify for the type of assistances, right? So, so I think. But again, how many? I I think that legacy of, oh, I only get this if I if I don't have someone. I think uh-huh. that that legacy is is you know, is is there? That legacy, qualify. that fear is there, and yes. so I think public education around that is necessary. And like you said, like connecting the dots about the repercussions, because once you once you start that ball ro- ball rolling, you can't take it back, right? Yes. That it get it gets it, it once that ball starts rolling it doesn't come back and it goes beyond just the license we're talking about uh credit we're talking about the, be, yes. the ability to be able to buy a home right when when yes. you do have progress and you know I know people who they pay their child support they might have switched jobs or got it you know got, got in a situation where they had to go find another job and as soon as they got another job they paid their child support and it's caught up right. as non-arrears but you know what's on that credit report. It's still in that credit report that that they, at one point, and it says literally says, you know, it's the government. It's on there, it e- even though it's caught up, even though it's there. And when they go to get a loan, they go to the credit card. They see that the dynamics of how people of color and men of color in particular are drawn into the child support system and the impact of that is, I mean, is, is catastrophic. The type of impact it you is can have, catastrophic. yeah. The type of impact it can have on a family and on relations. You have resentment that's there. Was started as something out of ignorance. So I went down there. Now it's blame. Well, you did this to me. You did that to me. And, you know, that's that dissension. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, that is. And then, you and know,
1: if it's. It causes a wedge between the parents. Not, it, it doesn't always, but it can. And I, I just. To be. A mother of a man child, to be a sister of an adult male, a daughter of an African American man, a granddaughter of an African American man. My mantra to the brothers is Angie Stone's song, Black Brothers, Strong Brothers. You know, we just tip our hat because our brothers have a heart. Way to go than any other man on earth, what they have to face out there. So let us just be the hands and feet of change. And those are, that is for, you know, any African American man or woman who is criminal justice impacted. You know, and it's just awesome. And that would be a a segue to um, as far as an attempt to decarcerate. Often, uh, we really don't realize how prevalent um, evidence given into uh, cases that's based on fraudulent credentials. There was a case where the one, the defendant uh, raised the insanity plea, and seven doctors said that the defendant was temporarily experiencing legal insanity. Legal insanity does not mean you're insane forever and always. It, it's either extreme emotional disturbance or an Temporary insanity or long term insanity, seven doctors said that the defendant was legally insane. The prosecution's case in chief was closed and reopened for the prosecutor to present a rebuttal expert. So this rebuttal expert was supposed to have more expertise more knowledge and experience than the other seven to fulfill the criteria to rebut seven doctors who treated that defendant. So the individual spent um, like 15 years in prison and there was a news article that came across uh, the law journal and it showed that the psychiatrist was sued, and the judge uh, uh, ruled that the expert's reprehensible conduct caused another individual's confinement, so it was forced confinement. So it was like, this is the same expert in the criminal defendant's case. Then years later, another expert that was in the same case was found where the uh, medical examiner's office was closed down, lost full accreditation. So here we have two experts who testified that turned the whole case around to make sure that there was a conviction and they gave fraudulent credentials. The psychiatrist alleged that not only was he an MD, he was a psychiatrist, but also had three areas of expertise in forensic. He claimed he was board certified in forensic psychiatry. That never happened until 99, five years after that defendant's case came. He said he was board certified in forensic medicine. Still to this day, he hasn't had that credential. And he stated that he was board certified in forensic examination. Two of those credentials he never got to this day. One he got years later, almost five years later than when he alleged so his evidence was not credible his credentials were fra- fabricated and he has testified in numerous cases so the moremi initiative not only wants to help in any way of children especially adult children of criminal justice impacted but we want we have this vision of a mass commutation of any case that involves junk science from junk scientists. So this is actually a way to decarcerate the carceral institutions. There's no way the greatest nation in the world, so we allege has over 2 million people incarcerated. Warehousing is just warehousing humanity. And if part of that warehousing is based on junk science, specifically non-DNA junk science, the Morimi Initiative is there, and we will expose it. And in exposing that, we will also gather these narratives from those specifically affected to get their personal experience, how it's impacted them. So now we have a gentleman here.
2: Good evening, how are you? My name is Javis McCann, and I'd just like to give a tutorial as to how the benefits of this nonprofit organization have been for me. Um, As it stood, in 2005, I was incarcerated, and I wasn't able to effectively clear my child support payments. Uh, logically, what happens is being in a way that accrues, and I was grateful that the nonprofit organization was able to help me clear that debt. All right, these, are year, these arrears have hindered me from driving, which would also hinder me from getting better jobs to solidify myself and put myself in a better position economically and financially, and give back to my family and my community. So i just like to say, I appreciate y'all 100%. Thank you very much, Ms. Bola Renoir. I had two cases y'all. Let me tell you how good God is, okay? There was a case in $5,000 and there was another case for $8,000. The blessings and the mercy of this nonprofit organization helped me clear that and so now it's zero. So that is my testimony. I'm not going to hold y'all on. I'm actually in the process of getting registered for work. I work out of town seasonal. So now, eventually, this time next year, I'll be able to. This time next year, I do seasonal work. So I'm a map reader. This time next year, I can do better for my family because I'll be a driver. Wow. I'll be driving my own truck. Wow. Thank you.
0: Thank you, man. Congratulations, bro. Definitely. You know, I, I think... Oh, wow. Yeah. I
1: got touched.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, You know, the, the work that you do and being able to impact people's lives, I think, you know, being able to see that and hear it and, like, it's, it's so inspiring and, you know, this is much needed. And I, I think, wow. you know, the, the fact that you range from, you know, of, of trying to affect change and freedom for people who are wrongly convicted based on junk science and at the same time also deeply concerned about individuals who come home and are are really given a handicap a financial and social handicap for no other reason than they were in right yeah. literally that's that's what the real issue is, is 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 nothing more than you were in and you know you can't change the fact that you were in and the reality is you come home in a hole and for a lot for a lot of people that are formerly incarcerated it's, it's hard enough to try to find your way, especially when you've changed. It's hard enough to try to find your way when you're different and the world is different. And then to come through come through to that with, like, this thing hanging over your head, you know. Yes. I, you can hear it in Javis's voice that he is, he he's liberated. And you, you could feel that that would have been a weight. You know, there's somebody who just doesn't care. You could tell he cared one about these things, yes. right? And then he cared about lifting it. He cared about, you know, it wasn't like he didn't want to lift it. And uh-huh. you know you were able to help him, like
1: yes.
0: basically liberate himself from that burden. And uh, I, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate the work you're Thank doing. You. And Thank you know, you.
1: please share how other I'm people grateful can grateful for this assistance and exposure. Um,
0: definitely, definitely. And, and please, please share with everyone how they can learn more, where they can learn more about you. You know, if you have social media handles, please tell, share with the world what they are so people can follow you and connect with I'm you. I'm in
1: the process of getting web design, um, being newly out of uh, prison after 25 years, I don't know how to do a web design but it's on the way. I just put it in the atmosphere and it's it's just gonna happen. And um, I can give the post office box, yes. Mo Remy Uh, Initiative, PO Box 361035, Decatur, Georgia 30036
0: it's been a pleasure having this conversation. I want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank you for allowing us to support you in your work. And, you know, we will continue to support you in your work. And, you know, anyone that wants to learn more about what we do and who we are, you can visit us at BrooklynBellFund.org. Uh, or you can follow us on, uh, on Twitter or Instagram. And uh, again, Moremi, thank you for sharing about your work and sharing about yourself And thank Thank you for, you you know, bringing Javis on to like share, you know, what you've been able to do for him. And, you know, we are here to help. And again, we're just honored to be a partner with you and to support the work that you're doing. And, you know, we look forward to continuing that partnership and building on it in the future.
1: I almost said amen. (laughs) Amen. It is so. I'm just thankful.